people have asked, well, what is the main function of stem cells? When we talk about immune modulation, we talk about tissue regeneration, but there's another branch that is underrepresented right now. And my research and the research that I referred to um, suggests is that um, new nerve formation is actually critical to tissue regeneration. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. So uh, my name is Dr. Ian White. I'm the chief scientific officer. So what does somebody need to know and have an understanding of this industry and how they can apply it to their office if they're looking to get into this? How do they do this in a smart way, a safe way, without getting lied to a lot? The best defense against being lied to is knowledge. So the only way that you can really navigate the field is by educating yourself about the field. And you've got to start somewhere. And the best place to start is a strong foundation in regenerative medicine or stem cell uh, therapy. Perfect. So tell me what is regenerative medicine? Okay. So you and I are full of stem cells. You know, every minute, every day, every year for our entire lives, stem cells are churning over tissue. So the example I gave was if you stand in a ray of light and you brush your arm, that poof that comes off is uh, dead skin cells. So those cells have to be replaced on a daily basis. Every single tissue in our body has stem cells. And in fact, if I were to magically remove all the stem cells from your body, you'd only have a few hours to live. What that means is that we have this like homeostasis where stem cells are constantly repairing and regenerating tissue. What we need to do is understand the mechanism of that so that we can apply it therapeutically, right? So the other example I gave was orthopedics, where you have injury in, let's say, a knee, and that injury is often in the white tissue, so in the cartilage, in the tendons. That tissue is white for a reason. It's white because it's not very well perfused. So there's not a lot of blood in there. If there's not a lot of blood in there, cells aren't getting into that area when it's injured. If you cut yourself, your skin bleeds and it heals because it brings in platelets and cells and everything, you damage a tendon, can uh, have a very hard time healing because it's not getting the nutrients and the cells and, uh, and all the growth factors that it needs. So what we do with regenerative therapy is we take stem cells from pools that are in the body. And like I said, stem cells are everywhere in your body, but there are certain areas that are more accessible than others. So for example, fat and bone marrow. So we take cells from areas that we can actually access them, bone marrow, fat, we isolate the cells, and then we use those cells to inject into areas that don't typically get perfused very well with stem cells. So like the knee, the cartilage and everything there. And that helps rebuild the tissue, but the cells don't really 
typically contribute to the tissue themselves. They actually educate the native cells how to re-engineer the tissue, how to regenerate the tissue themselves. So you're saying that the cells that we're injecting are not really engrafting and creating new healthy tissue? Right. So for it's easy to measure with umbilical cord because we can actually trace those cells because they're not the host cells. So it's really hard to trace a patient's own cells, but it appears that for the most part, the cells, the, the new tissue that we're regenerating is not from the donated stem cells, but it's actually the stem cells inducing regeneration, a new regenerative program in that injury. There's some really interesting publications that came out was that if you cut the uh, limb off and it grows back, but if you denivate upstream of that, the limb doesn't grow back. So no were actually critical for the ability of that uh, limb to grow back. And as it happens, when we're developing, when we're in utero, our nerves are growing. And as they grow, blood vessels grow in tandem with the nerves. And in fact, they're so closely associated. If you artificially change the trajectory of the nerves, the blood vessels turn and follow the nerves. And what that means is that the nerves are guiding the blood vessels, and it's the blood vessels that are important to perfuse the tissue. So if you want regeneration, you need blood there. And so nerves are actually quite critical to this process. And as it happens, if you look across the field of regenerative medicine, all examples where tissue regenerates, nerves are critical. What I wanted to know is, why can't the human heart heal itself? And in 2011, Enzo published a paper in Science where he demonstrated that in the first couple of days of life, if you resect the apex of the heart of the neonatal mouse, it regrows. And I thought that was fascinating because it's just like the salamander. So if that's the case, if that works in the first couple of days, the neonate, what happens in the, the subsequent couple of days? What happens in the subsequent couple of weeks? What happens in the subsequent couple of years? Because that ability to regenerate is lost very, very quickly. And it turns out that actually one of the major differences between the neonate and the adult is the ability of the nerves to regrow. And so I generated a mouse model where all of the peripheral nerves of the heart were labeled with a red protein. So when I looked at it under the microscope, all the nerves, the sympathetic nerves of the heart glowed red. That's the first time we'd ever seen the peripheral nerves of the heart like that. So I used that in my model. I resected the apical portion of the heart and it regrew, but then I denivated. I killed the nerve, the sympathetic branch of the nerves of the heart. And what happened? It didn't grow back, just like the salamander. And I wanted to know, well, are stem cells producing something that could induce this response. And it turns out that actually when you stimulate the sympathetic nerves of the heart, they induce the endothelium in the blood vessels to produce neuregulin 1. And neuregulin 1 has a very potent effect on the surrounding myocardium to increase survival and to induce proliferation. And so I set up a ex vivo model where I had in a petri dish a tiny neonatal heart. Under normal conditions, the heart just dies. But when I add neuregulin, the heart stays viable for many, many days. In fact, it keeps beating and it's completely viable. I'll show some slides with like the viable cells and everything. When I injure that heart, and I add WINT3A yeah, and BMP4, which are other factors that are associated with regeneration and nerve function. What I found was that the epicardium activated, recellularized the injury that I caused, and actually regenerated the heart. So in the absence of nerves, because when you remove the heart, there are no nerves, in the absence of the nerves, you could recapitulate that effect by taking factors that are derived from stem cells and actually seeding them into the Petri dish and witnessing myocardial regeneration, basically for the first time. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allografts, exosomes, supplements, legal health, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561 
1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. We may have heard some talks here where people have asked, well, what is the main function of stem cells? When we talk about immune modulation, we talk about tissue regeneration. But there's another branch that is underrepresented right now. And my research and the research that I referred to um, suggests is that um, new nerve formation is actually critical to tissue regeneration. Because with new nerve formation, you get uh, neoangiogenesis. And with angiogenesis, you get tissue perfusion and the ability then of stem cells to come to the site of tissue damage and regenerate that area. So how do you get that new nerve when you infuse them or if you inject them, I think they act as some form of chemotaxis or some sort of trophic gradient that actually draws nerves towards them or induces nerve growth. And with that nerve growth, you get angiogenesis. There's a lot of work right now is focused on how do you get angiogenesis? And they're focused on using VEGF, FGF to try and induce a vessel growth. But if you focus on either nerve preservation, so stabilizing the nerve when you have injury so that you don't kill the nerve, because with a heart attack, the first thing to die is the nerve. Because when you lose the nerve, you lose the vasculature and then you lose the tissue. Same with um, diabetic-associated cardiovascular disease. You get a peripheral neuropathy, all the nerves are dying. Same with the heart, the nerves are dying there. You get high levels of cardiovascular disease in diabetic patients with peripheral neuropathy. And I believe it's because they lose those nerves, they lose the vasculature and the tissue starts dying. Well, what about, how does that apply to, like, say, joint conditions and not just heart? There are many different functions of stem cells. I've been asked how stem cells are different from exosomes. Well, exosomes are basically the signaling packets of stem cells. And so I think that they work very acutely. They work very quickly. But if you want slightly longer-term effects, and if you want some slightly different effects, like mitochondrial transfer, so MSCs have been demonstrated to actually donate mitochondria to sick cells. It's like a battery pack. It revitalizes the innate cell to ramp up the regenerative process again. I think maybe as far as joints are concerned, it might be more of a regenerative stabilizing rebuilding of cartilage and and tendons rather than regrowing nerves because it's unclear how innovated cartilage and tendons are anyway. So I think that depending on the condition, you want to try, you know, different strategies and stem cells don't work the same way for every single condition. And what have you noticed it worked the best for? Stem cells are extremely potent when it comes to joints, um, you know, those sorts of injuries, you know, sports injuries, tears, and also uh, COPD, lung issues. When you infuse systemically, a large portion of those cells end up in the lung. And so when you see patients with um, COPD and other related conditions, those are the ones that tend to really show the best results. There are studies that demonstrate if you label cells and infuse them IV and you've got a wrist injury of some kind, that they actually do show up in that area. So there is still, they do still migrate and it's probably more they express adhesion molecules. So they're moving around the body and when they get to a site of injury, they just stick there. So I don't think they're actually looking for injury and migrating towards an injury. I think they're moving throughout the body and when they get to an injury, because of the adhesion molecules, it would make them adhere in that area. And so you're getting local effects as well as a systemic effect. When you injure, adhesion molecules go up. So you have cells rolling down blood vessels. You have them free floating in the blood vessel. And when they get to sites of injury where they, you have this inflammation, everything starts sticking there. You get a inflammation. It starts swelling up. How it gets very red. Like yeah. The platelets. Right. Exactly. So for a doctor who's getting involved in this, what recommendations would you have in terms of how to educate themselves properly so that they can do this the right way? The best place to start is to really understand what stem cells can and can't do. You know, they can signal to other cells. They can instruct 
the regenerative process in the innate tissue. They cannot a cure. They're not a medicine. They can't regrow a leg, but they can instruct a local environment on how to initiate their own regenerative program. They can instruct cells how to differentiate to make more cartilage. It's a real, it's, it's an instructive mechanism. I think physicians need to understand that so that they can then apply stem cells in the, the appropriate way. What about for autoimmune conditions? How do they apply there? You know, if you've got an autoimmune disease, that means your immune system is probably out of whack. So taking more immune cells and concentrating them and then putting them back in your body may not be the optimal solution. But taking allogeneic cells, so umbilical cord-derived cells, these cells have an immunomodulatory effect, um, not just the MSCs, but also the hematopoietic cells that they're injected to. And so what's been demonstrated is that they can actually modulate the immune system. They can actually reboot the immune system in many cases. So um, that's sort of the strategy that physicians are, are using those cells. So there is uh, an opportunity for them to actually help people with autoimmune type conditions. Yes, huge opportunity. And there's a you know a growing area of um, you know, MS-related treatments, uh, Alzheimer's. All these conditions are considered to be you know autoimmune in nature. So um, this is where the field's heading, and um, we're getting a lot of really great minds together to really battle this. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes, and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.